Hello, and welcome to the Black and Dyslexic Podcast with Winifred A. Winston and LaDerek Horn, the show that unapologetically focuses on helping Black and underrepresented minorities navigate the special education process. We want to help raise awareness in the Black and Brown community, remove the stigma about learning disabilities, and provide you access to professionals in the space of dyslexia and special education that you need to hear from. Hey everybody, it's LaDerek Horn. I'm here with Winifred and uh, today we're going to hear Brother Max's story. Winifred had an opportunity to interview him. This is an amazing tale. Winifred, just you want to give us a quick setup before we go into it? Oh, sure, sure. Mac first reached out to me on Instagram and he heard me sharing my testimony, sharing my story. And he, you know, dug a little further and saw the work that we were doing around learning differences, dyslexia. And he called me and we had a conversation and it really touched me because he, as a black man, as a grown man, he doesn't know me from a can of paint. He just told me how happy he was, how thankful he was that I was doing this work and how it's helping him. You know, he's been on this journey by himself for a while and he was just so touched and relieved actually. One little story, I think we talk about it, but he shared with me, he has dyscalculia, which is a learning disability in math. And he said, employers and people might not think about how hard it is for him to key in numbers from a credit card. Mm. He said, being a cashier is a very hard job for me. I have so much anxiety trying to get the numbers right. And that just stayed with me, right? So I'm just so excited, you guys, to bring this interview to you. You hear me speak with Mac, and I'm just excited for him to share his journey. So today I have Mac with me, as in macaroni. Mac is a massage therapist. He's an entrepreneur. He's also a founder of a nonprofit. But more importantly, he's a cannabis consultant. So today he's going to take us on his journey and share his experience and his challenges with winning over dyslexia. Welcome, Mac. I'm so excited to have you. Thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate getting to talk to you. Yes. Now, I know when when I reached out, you shared with me that you have all three. I'm going to call it the big three. Dyslexia, which we know is a learning disability in reading. Dyscalculia, which is a learning disability in math. And then also dysgraphia, which is a learning disability in written expression, if you will, and sometimes fine motor coordination. But you've got the big three. And I'm just thinking as a Black man in America with a learning disability back then, right? So tell me about it. How was that journey for you? I think one, one of the great luxuries I had and fortunes and blessing is that I did have my mom and dad in the household. Uh, my mom was originally from Colorado, and she moved to the East Coast to be a part of the revolutions. She was a part of the Black Panther Party. And so she very well understood the system and the education that I was going to have to deal with. As opposed to my father, he came from North Carolina and he had a scholarship to play basketball. He ended up having my older half brother and went to work, but he also understood how the system worked. And so both of my parents both have um, learning difficulties, but I got to see the perspectives of what it took for them to be able to get by and work. But I think what it took them and what I got to see correlated with the trauma, because when people tell you just try harder, it doesn't apply when you have these types of issues. And having to explain, I am trying it and I want to do better and then still not being able to do it 
I could see where anyone would have trauma from that. Absolutely. My daughter says that is like the worst thing you can say to her is try harder. And she will say, mommy, I am trying my hardest. I am trying really hard. And I think when we spoke before, when we talked about dyscalculia and the numbers, and we give an example of just being a cashier, right? People's like, oh, key the numbers in and it'll tell you everything. But when you have a learning disability in math and those numbers move, right? And you've got to use 10 times the brain power to focus on that. That example you gave me was so eye-opening. It's the feeling that you get because I pick and choose the lines I go to because I, I look at it at like this. I utilize the trauma that I got from not being able to do the systematic things as a superpower. Um, I use it as hypervigilance. I know that I'm not even going to mess with this line because I'm looking at how lackadaisical this cashier is. Uh, but when you have to process doing things in the normal world because you can't be accepted, that there in itself is where, where the trauma uh, aligns itself. But where the superpower comes in when you realize is that this isn't an issue of me not being able to do something because of the intelligence. It's just a system that we have put in place that my brain doesn't accept. You know what? That is so telling. But when did it become a superpower? Right. When did it become a superpower? Because I can see how initially it doesn't feel like a superpower. If you're in K-12, you know, you're in elementary school and everybody's getting it and you're not. So when did it make that shift for you? Actually, when did you find out? Uh, I actually, my mom had me tested, but at the time when it was coming out, they still didn't know the nuances of this disability. They didn't know. And when I told them, like, I keep seeing things appear and they thought that I had a mental health illness or something <laughs> because I was like, I can't track the, the letters down. So the, the initial part, it happened when I was in kindergarten and I, I had struggles. And then I had to move schools because I had behavioral issues, but it was really evident when I went to Christian school. But I don't really think the dyslexia should have been more evident as more of the anger coming from, I don't understand why you won't let me ask you a question. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> not, not being able to teach you in a way that you learn, and that's where the behavior problem comes in. Right. And my mom is a really religious person. Every man in her family was a pastor. So the Bible was big. And I don't think people understand, one, how intelligently the Bible was written. It's just not a, a, a book that you can just pop. Because when you're looking, even people who can read, they're still at a level that still can't understand the grasp of what the Bible's written. But I also went to a school that had the books translated different. And so mm -hmm. when we were reading Ecclesiastics, um, it was completely different than what I read from my church. And so when I had questions, I was berated. Oh. And, and this wasn't even coming from a dyslexic issue. This was coming from, this wasn't translated from what I saw. And mm -hmm. so from that point in fifth grade, I just stopped asking questions anymore. Wow. You shut down. Right. There was there was no point. I had to leave the Christian school and my mom put me back. My parents put me back into public school. But all it made me realize was how impudent all of this was, how 
you can squeak by the system and they're not even going to pay attention. You don't even have to do the bare minimum. You just have to be in class is what I figured out. Just show up. Right. And try not to get into trouble. Like I said, show up, don't get in trouble. And and they'll just pass you by. They'll push you along and you'll go under the radar. And they're quick to label our black boys. Our black young men are quick to be labeled emotionally disturbed or, you know, oppositional defiant, ODD and different things like that. When at the crust of it, there's a learning disability and no one is able to teach them how they learn best. Right. And it's the labeling that you get. And at the time growing up as a young black person, um, yes, my mom being the activist she was, she was able to tell me exactly the reason why I was being treated the way I was treated. And that in itself made it even problematic because even if I did tell you, what are you going to do anyway? <laughs> mm. um, that's just not just a problem with me. That's just a problem in the American school system is, is that not only does this young child potentially need a different type of learning, but they also need the learning that's going to be specific to how this person is going to grow up and perceive the world. But that's too much. That's yeah. way too much investment to do, considering that they're going to utilize you as a statistic anyway. Yeah, yeah. That's a huge topic right now, right? That's on the table right now. And a lot of the curriculums even that the schools have adapted are culturally biased. Right. Um, a lot of the curriculums are culturally biased. And that's something that's at the forefront right now in education. So I'm hoping right. with our first lady, Dr. Biden, being an educator at heart and an educator, that we can see some real positive change now coming out of the pandemic. That's what I am hopeful. That's what I want to see happen. Having a first lady who is an educator and, and having that background and experience. I, I don't think that ever goes away. Right. Mac, talk to us about when you made that shift from being angry, really not ever getting any help, to then embracing your learning disabilities as a superpower. And what did you do to manage that anger, right? You had to do something to get to a peaceful place to now say, okay, this is a superpower, right? Because that's just a lot to take in. So how did that journey happen for you? So my mom was a shock trauma ER nurse at DC General Hospital. She wanted to be a part of a revolution, and the best way to be a part of a revolution is being in ground zero. So she would come home, and of course, you know, when you're around nothing but trauma and apathy, it, it lingers. And I just remember my mom telling my dad how bad her feet hurt, and I just remember saying, Mommy, I'll massage your boo-boos. And I would work on her feet, and... I just remember every time we would go to the store and I asked her for something, she would always tell me no, like just the worst type of no. But one time she said yes, and because she told me how great she felt. And so then I just had, ding, I'm always wanting to make my mom feel great. And then I realized by her feeling great, then she treats me great. But then I even more realized I don't even need any toys because I can play with my mom when she's feeling great. And so that's what started my idea. And then I realized I'm not even, I don't even know what that word means, but I definitely can write it with my hands. And I realized I'm really good with my hands. And so the time that I was already in fifth grade, I automatically knew I wanted to be a massage therapist. Really? And I knew, 
I, I 100%, I was blessed because my family owned its own spa. My mom only did facials at the time, but I always knew that I had all of this frustration with my hands because every time you can see the kids, when they get angry, you see them tighten their hands up. <clears throat> but I realized if I just loosen my hands and keep loose and put that frustration into focus, that's where I find my serenity. And so it was 1999 and the movie, The Matrix came out and my mom was big in religion and the philosophy of The Matrix was what is reality? Reality is only what you're able to take in with your senses. It is your perception of the world around you. And that's when my mom says, you can't trust anyone except for what you believe in. And I always believe that you can make people feel better with some love. And ever since the matrix has always been in my mindset, I always keep the color green on me to remind me in all of the anger and all of the frustration. That's just perspective of the life. And there's so much more meaning to life. And if you're always looking at the things you can't control, as opposing to your attitude for life with the things you can control, you're going to miss out on the blessings. And that anger that I had, I just knew I just had to outlast high school. And the second I had a chance to do what I wanted to do, I was going to do it. So my measly 1.23 GPA instantly turned to a 3.8 when I went to massage school. And one, you give me homework where I want to learn more because it's actually going to do something for me. And I know this is actually potentially the truth. Learning so much fun. But when I know that you're one lying to me or it doesn't even have reference to me, and only thing they could say is you need to do this because in life you're going to have to do things you hate. Why? And they say that's how life is. And that's why I just looked at them like that's not what I'm getting a career to do. And if people who feel that way, I'm going to use my talents to change their minds. Oh, that is beautiful. That is beautiful. So that led you to massage therapy. Yes. And so in a way, like making other people feel good and feel better actually helped you feel better. And it gave you a boost. It sounds like it gave you a boost because now you were confident because this was something you were good at. Right. And it sounds like you didn't even really have to try that hard. You know what I mean? Like you were naturally at fifth grade. I mean, I, right. my daughter is in fifth grade. She's not coming to rub my feet. She probably hurt me. <laughs> <laughs> but, and that's the whole part about why I say it's a superpower. We're looking at the lens of what we're doing in a systematic way of acceptance, like the matrix. You plug in a couple of things and see if people will accept it. And if they do, then it works. But no, I can't do that. I won't do that because it's not even something that I can do. And I don't look at dyslexia and dyscalculia as an issue of not being able to do it. I look at it as back in the times when they were traumatizing us, these were systematic ways for us to figure out how to escape these traumas. Wow, that is a very interesting perspective. You're right. How do I succeed? How do I get out of this cage, right? This I'm, I'm running in like a rat running in a cage. Like, how do I escape this? 
right? Because, oh gosh, we're talking about now we're trying to access resources and help for dyslexia. And then back then they were even less. They wouldn't even acknowledge it. So, oh gosh, I love that perspective, Mac. I love that. Yes, thank you. Yeah. So the massage therapy, you knew that's what you wanted to do. You, you're able to do that. How did you get into being a cannabis consultant and how has that been helpful? So in 2015, my dad was diagnosed with cancer and in his cancer, uh, he had lung cancer, but he also had arteriosclerosis. And part of his issues that he had was nutrition, but also not taking care of him. Now, he was a cannabis user, but he didn't have his medical card and he had a drug dealer. So who knows what he was potentially getting into his system. So, so he, was, he was smoking reefers. <laughs> he was definitely smoking that reefer madness. And, <laughs> and in 2016, though, um, he was able to start smoking and I didn't touch cannabis at all. I went to school on a military base. I had friends going to prison in Kansas for less than 2.2 grams. So that's just trauma in itself. But in 2016, I witnessed the cancer dissipating in my father. Mm. Um, but I also took the opportunity in 2015 when he got sick. I realized his sickness came from one of the biggest plagues that it plagues Black Americans, and that's the lack there of wanting to gain perspective. And he grew up post-Jim Crow era wondering what would happen if you do decide to go out of the realm that you're used to. And I completely can get that, but not being able to see the perspectives that can gain you a healthier diet or not even wanting it is something. So 2015, I made sure to travel all over the world. And one of the things that I learned is cannabis has always been around the world. Cannabis has always been food, fiber, and, and fuel. And it's always been something that has had medical proof. We just have a system that utilizes as a way to combat people from getting different echelons of life. And so seeing that happen, it took me a long time to do the research and I needed to do the research because I wasn't going to risk my safety and my future client safety, not knowing everything potentially I can know about cannabis. So segueing from massage and going to cannabis, you get to see that most people aren't fully able to heal because most people don't realize we don't have 11 systems in our bodies. We have 12 the endocannabinol system or cannabis system, but that's not even in the educational books. So seeing that most people aren't able to get better because they're not able to fully know what their body's like because they don't even have doctors or school teaching them the full aspects of their bodies. So that's another component why I want to be a cannabis consultant. How does it help? Do you have anyone who uses it to help with anxiety, stress, uh, depression, because we know that these are side effects of learning disabilities, especially for those who go undiagnosed. That's a major concern because of the self-esteem, you know, the lack of confidence and feeling less than. And so have you found that it works to, to help with those, I'm going to call them the side effects of having a learning disability, if I can say that and, and picture it that way, like a side effect, right. actually a negative side effect. Right. 
Wait, I mean, it's it's the case. You have a superpower. You're going to have some remnants of of utilizing it. With great power comes great responsibility, and I think cannabis can even it out, but it's not as easy as what they're trying to market it. Like uh, indica isn't what you think it is because you have to go with what your body works, and they haven't done enough research to be able to say what this will do to everyone's bodies, the effects are dynamic. So you need to process with that. Um, something known as what they would call a sativa strains are known to be more of a head high, a cerebral high. But if you have high anxiety, it's just going to exasperate that. So if you understand that it's just not the THC or the CBD that works in your body, but also something called terpenes, you're then able to figure out a basis of how it can help you. I can tell you that I have to find certain strains because I'm a medical cannabis user that can help with the anxiety. And the side effects of that is it does slow my thought process down. So then I do have the ability to focus. Mm, got you, got you. That makes so much sense because a lot of times when folks are dealing with just mental health issues, the coping mechanisms typically exacerbate what's wrong, right? But if you don't even know what's wrong, you don't know that what you're doing is exacerbating that. Like myself, I found out later in life I'm ADHD. And it's to me, it's just surreal. Like I'm classic ADHD. And then I think about all that I've done in certain times where people are like, oh my gosh, you're doing this, you're doing that. And I'm thinking, oh my gosh, if they only knew how freaking overwhelmed I was. And because of the ADHD, I'm constantly saying, yes, I'm impulsive. I'm taking on all of this. And all it was doing was exacerbating the ADHD. Meanwhile, I'm thinking I'm depressed. Right. Yeah. And, and I think that's where I want, I took time to learn about my superpowers. I know that I won't be able to sit still for 20 minutes but that's most people nowadays. And I know that the side effects of what these remnants of these superpowers, may I have say that, um, mm -hmm. these are things now that I'm seeing everyone having issues with. I wouldn't be able to go in a classroom with teenagers to tell you who has ADHD, everybody's on the cell phone. And my perspective is to tell the people who had these types of issues in the past is, Coming forward with it is a lot more easier now. Um, there's people like you who have amazing empathy, but can even give you tactics and suggestions. Um, the program was I got to learn about cannabis to get my certification. It was online and it was completely dyslexia friendly. Wow. Wow. Right? And, and that's the thing that people don't understand is, is that Yes, I want people to know that these issues have hurt me, but I also want people to know there's so much more resources out there. And you think that you have an issue? Most people now who have dyslexia, we're spared from the social media anxiety because we can't even read half the stuff that's going on. <laughs> <laughs> funny but oh my gosh that's so funny my daughter you know I always talk about her because that's what I was thinking right I'm texting and sometimes I'm texting about her or I'm posting on Facebook about her right and I'm like oh she can't read you know she don't know what I'm doing and now she's like mommy does that say someone's did you just post that? I was 
mediation is working <laughs> because she's like, wait a minute, that says, I'm like, okay, okay. Oh my gosh. But Mac, you're so right. I mean, everything you're saying, um, it's totally a different perspective and a different way to look at it. One of the reasons why we're, we're doing this podcast is to raise awareness, but to remove the stigma, right? If, if, Folks can't ask for help. They can't embrace it if they don't even want to admit it and acknowledge it. And in our community, you know, we don't want another label or we always hear what goes on in this house stays in this house. So we're not talking about it. We're not telling people, you know, and we keep it all bottled in and then we get no help. And, and when you have a learning disability as a parent, as someone, you know, with a learning disability yourself, you can't fight it alone. You can't get through it alone. Like you need support. And there's so many resources out there. You don't know where to go or which one to turn to. And every person is different. So in recognizing how you're different, like you said, understanding your superpowers allow you to do better and then tap into things where you really thrive. I mean, I would have never believed you had all these learning disabilities and the amount of information that you know. But like you said, when, it's, when it interests you, you go all in, you hyper-focus. Right. And I had my friend, we went to the same nursery school since we were three years old. And I had a career where I worked with my hands and he had a career where he had to work with his hands construction like we have a different outlooks in life and different perspective. But he's never been able to grasp the fact that his issues have slowed him down in life because that malaise that you get from, oh, I have to fill this out. It's literally this malaise and it goes back to this place. And then are they going to read it? They're definitely going to make a snarky comment. They're going to misplace my name. Just all of that are just microcosms of the things that you had to do. But one of the things that I was able to embrace him and just hopefully anybody with is one, most people don't pay attention like they used to. That's first and foremost. Second, you already know what your issues are. Most people in life don't have the luxury to know what's hurting them. And so, yes, your issues may be something that's stopping you from doing what you would normally want to do, but it's not something that can cause you to be less than the person you want to be. And and that's really hard to understand and get the value, but the third and final part that I wanted him to understand is, is that there's so many ways to get help. There's yes. so many mechanisms to get help and coming up with ways that you're able to process it is something that can help somebody else. Because unfortunately, if you have dyslexia, there's a high chance that your children will have it. And he has a son. And I want him to understand that there has been trauma that happened to us from this. And we can look at it as something that diminished us or something that gave us the opportunity to see what the systems are and how we can process. Oh, I love that, Mac. I love that. Oh, my gosh. I I really do love the perspective that you're coming from and knowing how hard it was in the beginning and then just turning it around and saying, you know what? Here's a positive spin on it. I'm going to do things that I enjoy. And I'm going to continue with my education, right? Because you haven't stopped, right? right. You, you, but in the beginning, you said just get through high school. But I heard you went on to massage therapy school. Then you went on and did a certification. 
So it didn't stop. And I know a right. lot of parents are afraid, like, oh, my gosh, if I could just get my kiddo through high school, you know, just get them through high school. But once they find what they're interested in, what they're good at, the sky is it's the limit, right? The sky is the limit because there are more ways to educate yourself now and get the knowledge and credentials than ever before. Right. Like, there's just so many ways. And like you said, the program was very dyslexia friendly. Absolutely. Now, did they offer any accommodations or any assistive technology or anything like that did you use throughout school? No. I got an opportunity to go to vocational school, though. So ah. um, I, I just barely made it out of the program, and I was quintessentially put in, you're not going to make it. And so they put me in vocational school. I managed to figure out how to ruin that opportunity, and then I went back. So they had to put me in different types of learning classes, but they put me into a business course where I could do a work study. And so I was able to work for my family's business. And that's when I got to improve my marketing skills. And then I realized marketing has nothing to do with what you write down. It's just what you have in your head and then able to get it out. And I wasn't able to play sports in school one and this is one of the tragedies I have to go back and say, I'm six foot one and I'm 240 pounds, but I'm not coordinated. Yeah. Like my dad played basketball, but he never forced me to play basketball. So I don't know how to play basketball. I don't, I, I played football as an adult, but I can't catch, <laughs> but I can run into people and people don't realize it's not just that it's dyslexia, but I have coordination issues. Yeah. Yeah. Fine motor skills and coordination that shows up in the dyspraxia and also in some of the dysgraphia. Yeah. With the coordination. Right. I have terrible coordination skills. So even if I did play sports, it wouldn't be the best. But when you look like you're athletic and then you happen to be black and one thing that you could potentially be good at is sports. And I'm not good at that. <laughs> It was just was like, what, like, no, like, do you want to play basketball? No, but can I hand the water out? What? <laughs> like, well, I read in the book that you're going to get thirsty and dehydrated. Oh, you're going to pull your muscles. I rather wanted to do that, but I didn't get that opportunity just because of the fact that I, you're just going to play sports. That's it. You're athletic enough. You're going to play sports. But like, well, crap, what if I can't catch? Yep. Yep. Well, Mac. What is one thing you would leave, like a nugget or a bit of advice you would leave for someone who is an adult who is struggling because maybe they just found out they have dyslexia or they're listening to this and saying, you know, I knew something was going on with me and it sounds like I am in fact dyslexic. What nugget or piece of advice would you leave an adult? I think what you would have to leave anybody with is um, just one of my favorite quotes. You're never going to find the truth with your own opinions. And so what that quit essentially means to me is, yes, you might think that there's something wrong with you, but of course you would. That's your own opinion of yourself. Gain some perspective. Find out, is this completely dyslexia or is it something that I might need glasses? You might need to gain perspective with somebody because that's the best way to figure out what your issues are in the first place. Speak up, let someone know. 
Um, you might think it could be dyslexia, but it could also be you got a beat cell phone. There's so many things that could be the issue. But instead of looking at trying to figure it out for yourself, look at helping with perspective and treat yourself with kindness. Tune in next week where we'll continue to bring you lived experiences and more unfiltered conversations with experts in the field around all things Black and dyslexic. Make sure you subscribe and follow the Black and Dyslexic podcast, where we educate, empower, and equip Black and underrepresented minorities. The Black and Dyslexic podcast is partially funded by Morgan Cares and the Center for Urban Health Disparities Research and Innovation, awarded by the National Institute of Minority Health and Health Disparities. The Black and Dyslexic podcast is sponsored by Dyslexia Advocation Incorporated, a 501c3 charitable organization located in Baltimore City, Maryland, whose mission is to equip parents of children with dyslexia and other language-based learning disabilities with the necessary tools to help their children become successful readers. You can find them on the web at www.soallcanread.org.